Oh, the wonderful cross. All who gather here by grace, bless your name. That's what we're, we're doing tonight, church. We are separated, we are scattered, but together in spirit we are, we are gathering at the foot of the cross. This evening, you heard a couple scriptures. You might be thinking, what in the world does Daniel 3 have to do with Good Friday? Um, but hopefully we're going to make some connections tonight with that. And so tonight I want to talk to you about the cross as fellowship and faithfulness. Fellowship and faithfulness. But before we jump into those two main points together, church, I want to just do a little review. Um, the cross. What is the meaning of the cross? Obviously, as Christians, the cross is a really big deal to us. It's our primary symbol. Some of you, symbol. Some of you probably have jewelry in the shape of a cross, or maybe you have a cross tattoo, or maybe um, you, you have a painting or artwork or something in your home uh, with a depiction of the cross. But what, what is the cross? What happened at the cross? Why, it, why is it so crucial to us? Why is it the centerpiece of all that we believe in? Well, for these three reasons. First, because Jesus died for us. Second, because we died with Jesus. And third, because we are dying with Jesus. That, that first one, Jesus died for us. That is, that is the foundation of our faith. That, that Jesus went to the cross carrying our sins. It's the core belief of Christianity. It's, uh, it's what most of the songs about the cross are about, is about that first, this first point. Jesus dying for us, in our place, substitution, sacrificial death, going, going there in place of us. He had to die for us because of our sin. He had to die for us because of the curse. He had to die for us because we cannot save ourselves. Number two, though, going a little deeper, drilling a little deeper into what the cross is all about, we also know that we died with Christ on the cross. We died with Jesus that day. And this, is a, this is a little bit of a, of a deeper point. This is a more spiritual point. That in spirit, in our spirit, we were with Jesus on that cross. And so Paul will say things like, I have been crucified with Christ Galatians 2, or in Romans 6, he'll say, don't you know that you died with Jesus, that you died with Christ on the cross? And so not only is every sin forgiven because Jesus died for us, all of sin, the power of sin, is removed from our lives because we also died. The old is dead and buried. The old man is dead. The old creation is dead, and the new has come. This is, this is the most glorious of, of truths, because if, if all we are is forgiven, then we would just continue to sin and be forgiven, sin and be forgiven, sin and be forgiven into eternity. But if we also died with Jesus, then the power of sin is removed from our lives as well. And so that's what we look forward to that one day. We just sang about it. We just sang about it in that song. We look forward to that day when, when we will sin no more. Saved to sin no more is what we just sang together. And so 
the power of sin, not the, listen, the power of sin is broken in our lives, not the power to sin. You still got all the power in the world to sin. You're probably doing it all the time if you're like me. But the power of sin is broken in your lives, meaning sin can no longer condemn you. Sin can no longer kill you. Sin is no longer on the, on the record books uh, in front of God. This is all if you have faith in Christ. This is all if you have accepted Christ as the sacrifice for your sins. If you believe, number one, Jesus died for you, then number two has happened to you. You have died with Jesus. But what I really want to talk about tonight is number three. We are dying with Jesus. Or maybe a, a better way to say it might be that Jesus is dying with us. I want to talk to, us, to you tonight about how do we process this suffering that we're all living in together alone? How, how, do, we, how do we process this? What do we do with our suffering? And, and how does the cross speak into it? And so we believe that the Bible teaches that anytime a Christian suffers, anytime a Christian is experiencing death or dying, that Jesus is present in that. That Jesus is so united to us that Jesus is united to his church, to you, Christian, in such a way that whenever you suffer, whenever you experience, are experiencing death, it is the death of Jesus. It is, the, it is the dying and the suffering, what we might call the fellowship of suffering, the fellowship of the cross. And so scriptures like this, in Colossians 1.24, Paul will say, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. This is one of the most controversial and diff more difficult passages in all the New Testament. Because what does Paul mean when he says that I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? Clearly, he does not mean that Paul is somehow completing the atoning work of Jesus Christ. No. What Jesus did on the cross we know from a hundred other scriptures, is complete and done and finished. He himself said it on the cross. It is finished, right? His death was a once-for-all death that only he could do. So what does Paul mean? He means that he is, he is filling up the witness of Christ through affliction. The witness of Christ, not the work of Christ. He's not completing the work of Christ, but he is completing the witness of Christ, when we suffer, it is for the good of the world and for the good of the church. He'll say it this way in 2 Corinthians 4. Death is at work in us, but life in you. The verse right before this, he says, we carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus. We carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that death is at work in us, life in you. So that, so that as we suffer, it does a work in in the lives of others, in the, in the church, in the world, to bring the life of Jesus to others. And then Philippians 3, he'll say it this way. He says that I may know Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Wow, when's, I mean, we rarely pray that prayer, Right? I want to share in the sufferings of Christ. Why? Because I become like him in his death. This is the fellowship of suffering. Becoming like him as we suffer, as we die. So that's what we want to talk about tonight. We see, we see this in the, 
in the Daniel 3 story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went into the fiery furnace. And in that furnace, they were met by the fourth man. Nebuchadnezzar says, didn't we throw three men in there? Yeah, yeah, we, th- we threw three in there. Well, then why do I see four? Who's the fourth man? And, and I believe that the fourth man is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ that met Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. It's a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. In Isaiah, uh, God, Yahweh, God says, when you are in the fire, I will be with you. I will be with you when you go through the fire. And so the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story, a couple hundred years later, is the fulfillment of that. Yahweh, God, in the fire with them, I believe, pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, in the fire with them. Shadrach, listen, the only person in that story that didn't deserve the fire was the fourth man, was Jesus in the fire. Everybody else deserved the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you, you say, they didn't deserve it. Yeah, they, Yes, we all deserve it. They, they're just as sinful as everybody else. They, they were just as sinful as Nebu, King Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody deserves the fire. And so there's only one person in the story that didn't deserve the fire. So if, if Jesus does not enter the fire with them, for them, they do not survive. And so in the fire, they experience the fellowship of suffering. In the fire. In the fire, they experience God in a very real way. And then as a result, they are pulled out of the fire and they are able to witness to the faithfulness of God, aren't they? Why are we left here to suffer? Why why isn't that as Christians, we accept Jesus and then we go up to heaven? Why does God leave us here? Are we left here as some sort of purgatory to, to to pay off to, to burn off the transgressions, to, to pay off the debt? No, of course not. That would belittle the cross. The cross paid the debt. Jesus paid the debt. And so why are we left here? We're, le- we're left here as a witness. We're left here because of the transforming fellowship that occurs with Christ in suffering. And as we are transformed in suffering, we become witnesses to Christ in our faithful suffering in our faithful dying. So we want to talk about those two things. First, the transforming fellowship that happens with Christ in suffering. And listen, this can only happen. Suffering will only transform you for the good if you know that Christ has already taken your punishment. If you, when you know that your suffering is not the condemnation of God, is not the punishment of God, but is rather, rather the transforming grace of God, when you begin to know that, then suffering will begin to be able to change you and transform you. Only then, really, only then. Uh, if, if you are seeing your suffering as, as something that is God against you, is God after me, is God, is God crushing me, no, then it won't, it's just going to make you bitter, it'll probably make you run from God, make you abandon him, or try to at least. The transforming fellowship with Christ in suffering, the suffering, listen church, here's what I want to, to show you tonight, the suffering itself is what deepens your fellowship with Christ. The suffering itself is what deepens your fellowship with Christ. 
Look again at Daniel 3, verse 25. I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Jesus is in the fire. They experienced him in, not outside the fire, in the fire. It is in the fire that we experience Christ. It is in the fire that we experience Jesus. It is in the fire that we know God. You say, well, Brady, aren't aren't we, you know, this is Easter weekend. Aren't we just, aren't we resurrected? Aren't we brought out of all of these trials and bad things and tribute? Obviously not. If you, if, you're, if you still think that after the last month, uh, you're under a rock. Um, obviously, as Christians, we are not immune from the trials and the tribulations. In fact, I believe that we are resurrected in order that we can go backwards into Good Friday. We are resurrected into the crucified life. We are made alive so that we can die. We are made alive so that we can carry the cross. We are made alive so that we can be living sacrifices. We are made alive so that we can have the fellowship of suffering, becoming like Christ in his death. It is in the fire that we experience Jesus. Not in the rescue, but in the fire. In the fire. What happens, how does this happen? Maybe I should say, how does this happen to us? And I want to show you these four things. It's a process that I think happens through these four things. Deepened suffering. Deepened deepened suffering becomes deepened fellowship, which becomes deepened faith, which becomes deepened love. Deepened suffering becomes deepened fellowship, which then deepens our faith, which then deepens our love. All right, so let's, let's walk through this. Suffering. Listen, we, all, our default is we want to get out of our suffering. It's how we're wired. It's what, what we're constantly, we are constantly, whether we're consciously aware of it or not, but we are constantly suffering avoiders. We do everything we do to avoid suffering. We, we tell little white lies. We don't, say every, we, don't, we don't say everything that's in our head because if we said it all, it would bring suffering, right? If I, if I told my wife what I really think all the time, my life would be way worse. If I tell my boss what I really think, my job would be way worse. If we, we, are, we are suffering avoiders constantly, constantly trying to get out of the suffering that we're in or minimize the suffering that we're in. Christianity is the one faith that allows us to actually look suffering square in the eye and actually embrace it. Look, as Christians, we're not asking for trouble. That's not my point tonight. We are never meant to go out looking for trouble, looking for suffering. And in fact, when it comes to our ministry, our our love for others, remember the the fourth thing on this? 
Where do we land? We land on love. And what is love? Love is helping people get out of their suffering. That's what love is. Meeting needs, caring for people, witnessing to them. But as Christians, to do that, we have to suffer. To help others not suffer, we have to suffer. And so to actually obey our Savior, we have to suffer alongside our Savior. For Jesus to obey the Father, he had to suffer. He could not avoid the suffering. That's in the garden. In the garden, God, if you can take the cup from me, ah, but not my will, your will. And so he drank the cup. That was yesterday. That was Thursday. Jesus drank the cup of suffering. He drinks it on the cross for us. How do we deepen our suffering? Listen, rather than avoiding suffering, rather than trying to minimize suffering, we need to actually embrace suffering and feel our suffering, feel pain, feel sadness, honestly, openly, authentically. Listen, Christian, it is not a sin to be sad. Sadness is actually a tool of God for your holiness. Actually, because you're not in heaven yet, you should be sad all the time. Actually, because your life is still full of sin and trials and disease and, and isolation and all these things we're walking through, you should be sad. Our suffering needs to be cried out to God. Not medicated, not numbed, not avoided, not minimized. Listen, I hear Christians say this all the time. I want to I make something very clear to you. Here's, here's how we deal with our suffering. This is, this is may, maybe the number one way, the primary psychological tool for dealing with our suffering is this. It could be worse. Or, or at least I'm not as bad off as so-and-so. I can't complain because other people have it way worse. My, my kid's struggling to learn how to read in kindergarten, but I can't complain because these folks' child has cancer. And that's way worse. Listen to me. That is not biblical. In fact, I would, go, I would be as bold as to say that is the work of the enemy, Satan, in order to keep you from actually facing your suffering. It's actually his tool to get you to minimize suffering, to use that kind of logic. All suffering no matter how big or how small, if you are a Christian, all suffering is the fellowship of suffering with your Savior Jesus Christ. All suffering, no matter how big or how small, is meant to bring you into union with Christ, to help you understand Christ and Christ to understand you, to make you run to your high priest, to, to allow you to know that the Spirit and the Son are, are praying for you and crying out for you. All suffering. All suffering is meant to bring you into a, a deeper fellowship with Christ. And so that second one. Deepened suffering brings deepened fellowship. Deepened fellowship with Jesus. As we experience suffering... We are experiencing what Christ experienced. And listen, this is also true. This is something we don't say a lot. 
When you experience suffering, Christian, no matter how big or how small, Christ is experiencing that suffering. You experiencing it is Jesus experiencing it. That's what Paul means when he says, I, I fill up what's lacking in the afflictions of Christ. That's what Christ himself meant when he stopped Saul on the road and he said, Saul, why are you Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Okay, think about that. Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus. Jesus was dead, raised, ascended, and gone. But in persecuting Christians, Jesus said, you're persecuting me. What does that tell us? It tells us that all suffering for a Christian is shared suffering with Christ. Christ is sharing it with you. The deaths that we are dying, Christ is dying alongside of us. That's a beautiful thought. That's a com that should be a comforting thought. Now let's talk about how Jesus died. Because this is, here's the big problem. A lot of you right now, if you're honest, and I've had this conversation recently, I've had it a lot of times, and I, and I feel it in my own heart. A lot of us, if we're honest, wrestle with feeling connected to Jesus. Brady, you're talking about all this fellowship with Jesus, fellowship with Jesus. I don't hear Jesus. I don't feel Jesus. In fact, I feel like when I cry out for Jesus, all I get is crickets. All I get is silence. Listen, how did Jesus suffer on the cross? In, in Mark 15, which Melody read for us, in Mark 15, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus on the cross heard nothing but silence from God. Jesus on the cross felt alone. Jesus on the cross felt like he had been abandoned, and he, and he had been, by God the Father. You see, when you say, I don't feel the presence of Jesus, I don't hear the voice of Jesus, I feel like I'm all alone, I feel like God doesn't care, that is the fellowship of suffering with Christ. The silence is the fellowship. The pain is the fellowship. The weakness is the fellowship. The uncertainty is the fellowship. The doubts are the fellowship. The questions are the fellowship with Christ. The begging God to take it away, that's the fellowship with Christ. See, when, you, when, when you're crying out, why have you forsaken me? You're crying out exactly what Jesus cried out. You are now one with him. You are now feeling what he felt. And when you cry that out, he feels that with you. But think about what Jesus said. He said, why have you forsaken me? But what are, what are those first two words? My God. Twice. Emphasis. Twice for emphasis. My God. My God. Do you see it? That's the faith. That's the faith, the deepened faith. You see, what Good Friday tells us is that it, Good Friday tells us that it's okay to have questions. It's okay to fail. It's okay to have all your dreams shattered. It's okay to, to feel like you're alone. It's okay to say, I, I don't feel like I ever hear God talking to me. It, it's okay. 
But what Good Friday also tells us is that there is a deeper faith that can come out of that, a faith that trusts God even when it feels like God isn't with you, even when God isn't screaming back, even when it doesn't seem like God is answering you, even when God isn't there, or it feels like he isn't there because he is there, but when it feels like he isn't there, even when you're on the cross crying, why have you forsaken me? Jesus demonstrates a deeper level of faith, a deepened faith that can still cry out, my God, my God. He has not given up on God. He has not given up on the Father. And, and really what he'll say a, a, few, a few statements later, what he'll say is, into your hands I commit my spirit. In other words, why, he, he went from why have you forsaken me to Father, take me. Father, I know you've got me. That's Good Friday. That's our lives. Deepened fellowship of suffering, producing a deeper faith. Will you trust Jesus even if the rescue doesn't come? Will you trust Jesus even if all the problems aren't solved? Will you trust Jesus even if your addiction never goes away? Will you trust Jesus even if your depression never gets any better? Will you trust Jesus even if it's incurable? Will you trust Jesus even if the marriage never gets back together, she never loves you, he never comes back to you? Will you still trust Jesus? Will you trust him for the ultimate rescue rather than the 1,000 miniature rescues that we're banking on every single day, the suffering avoidance that we're crying out for every single day? And so you see, when, when we deepen our suffering, when we, when we allow ourselves to feel it, experience it, cry it out, not push it aside, not minimize it, not compare it to other people's sufferings and say, oh, well, theirs is real. They have real suffering. Mine's so little and petty. God doesn't care. Nobody wants to hear about this. Don't do that. Take it to God. Understand that it is a way to fellowship with Christ and for Christ to fellowship with you. Deepen your fellowship with him. Hopefully in joy, hopefully in happiness hopefully on Easter, but also in Good Fridays, but also in the silence, but also in the pain. Deepen it, deepen it, and, and let the faith come even when the immediate rescue doesn't. Trust God even when he leaves you on the cross. And when you do that, and the more you do that, the more you trust God in the dying, the more you will die to your own selfishness, you'll die to your own demands, you'll die to your own manipulations, you'll die to, to all you, your, your agenda, your own little kingdom, and now you're ready to love. Finally ready to love. And now your love for God will deepen and your love for others will deepen. And that is the end. That's the end goal. That's the end goal, is a deepened love. 
Because listen, listen to me. None of this is about you. Sorry. None of, but none of this is about you. It's about being a witness to Christ in our suffering. Being a witness to Christ in our suffering. It's about him. Listen, even Daniel chapter 3. You think, I think, we all think, we teach it to our children as a story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No. It's not a story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a story about God. It's actually a story about God versus Nebuchadnezzar. It's actually a story about God proving to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the world, that he, God, is actually the king of the world. It's actually, it's actually God joining Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in their suffering so that they can be a witness to the power and glory of God. So that the invisible God is made visible in their faith. When they stood up in front of Nebuchadnezzar and displayed their faith, he said, I'm going to throw you into the fire. And they said, we know that our God can deliver us from, from the fire. But even if he doesn't, there's, there's that, that great line in there. But if not, we're still not going to bow down to you. And then they went into the fire. And when they went into the fire with that faith, God was made visible. God was seen. You see, God's invisible. We know that. God's invisible. So how, how is God made visible in this world? How does the world see God? How will the people of this earth, this country, this state, this county, your neighborhood, your house, how will they see God if not through you, if not through us, if not through him being made visible in our dying, just like he was made visible in Christ and in the dying of Christ, he is now made visible in you and in me and in our dying and in our suffering when we do it in faith. When we are faithful through the suffering, it declares the wonder and power and grace of God to a dying world. Our faithful suffering is a witness to the salvation plan of God. Daniel 3.29, Nebuchadnezzar, right at the end of the chapter, look at the end of that verse. I make a decree, any people, nation, language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn from limb to limb, and their houses laid in ruins. Okay, that's excessive, but look, look at what he says. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. You see, Nebuchadnezzar's heart's being changed. His heart is being changed. And it's going to be a long process. If you've read the book of Daniel, you know it took, it took a few more of these kinds of things to really get Nebuchadnezzar on board. But look, Nebuchadnezzar saw their faithful suffering and it changed him. Look at Mark 15, the end of the, end of the passage that we read from Mark 15. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, Jesus breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. What happened? Jesus' faithful suffering revealed the salvation of God. 
Jesus' faithful suffering revealed the faithfulness of God. Church, what if it's not about you? Christian, what if it's not about you? What if it's about God? What if this season of suffering that we're all in, this season of isolation, this season of coronavirus, this season of pandemic, and all of the hardness, hardships that it brings, all of the fear that it brings, what if, what if you stop making it about you? What if instead you make it about the glory of Christ? What if instead you see it as an opportunity for you to be honest and open? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying to put on a mask and put on a show. I'm not saying that. We're, think through the process. True, deep suffering, honest, real suffering that leads to honest fellowship with Christ, that leads to true faith, and then to love. What if we could see love as the end? What if we could see love as the goal in all of this, just like it was with Christ on that cross? What if? What if this is about God, not about you? What if it's about Him being glorified, His grace being exalted and magnified? What if it's about praising Him for what He has done for us, for what has happened to us with him, but also praising him because we get to die with him each day. We get to walk with him. And in that, we get to show the world our faith in a God who is good, a God who is gracious, and a God who wants to save. I asked James to sing this song for us uh, here at the end, Wounded for Me. You'll recognize a lot of it. But you'll, you'll, you'll also hear a new chorus where James is going to sing, I will praise you as he contemplates what Christ has done for us, as we contemplate what Christ has done for us. Will you allow it to turn into praise, praise that becomes a faithful witness to what Christ has done? I'm going to pray, and then James is going to sing this final song, and then we'll have one last prayer. And then we will be done for the evening. Will you pray with me? Father, we know that this is not about us. It's about you. We want, we want that to be true. We want that to be true in our hearts. We want it to be true in our lives. God, Yes, in our minds it would be easier if you had just zapped us up to heaven or if you would just make all our problems go away, make all the suffering disappear. But God, you left us here. You left us to live in the suffering, to live in the dying, and to share in that with Jesus. And so why? Why would you do that? Because you love humanity. And you want more and more people to get saved. And you know that the way more and more people will come to you is when they see us. And when they see us trust the grace of God, even when life is really, really hard. Even when life is full of sorrow and pain. When people see that. When they see us in the fire. Trusting in the fire. When they see us on the cross. Trusting on the cross honestly crying out, but still declaring that you are our God, when they see that, God, it changes lives. And when they hear us praise, not our idols, not our giant Nebuchadnezzar statues, but when they hear us praise you, sing out to you, they will know that there's something different. 
There's something about Christ that's unique. There's something special. There's hope. There's hope for tomorrow. And so Jesus, continue to teach this to our hearts, we pray in your name. Amen.